Um, before I get started tonight, could we just uh, do a time of prayer over this uh, service? Uh, Brother John, would you pray over the service today, please? Amen. If you want, I'm going to use Matthew 7:11 as my scripture, but I'm not going to put it on the uh, screen right now because we're going to just do it a little bit differently tonight, if that's okay. But if you want to save that spot, Matthew 7:11. Um, I know normally we would start the service off with our sermon, then pray, but I just felt different. I want to do something different tonight. Have a little bit of fun as we start off the service. But how many of you guys are excited about the time of year that is upon us right now? You convinced me. Let's try that one more time. How many of you are excited about the time of the year that is upon us? I'm talking about college uh, bowl season, but I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I am already got a Christmas gift this year. Alabama is not in the playoffs. Thank you. Sorry, I had to do it. Anyway, no, Christmas is upon us. I know that we're all excited. We're all making plans. We're all busy. Uh, several of us are going to be going to the Christmas at our house this week. Uh, we're already doing last-minute Christmas shopping. The, the Christmas play is almost here. So much is going on about Christmas. But I just wonder, by a show of hands, how many of you men are out there, you're hoping, you're praying, possibly for maybe a new boat, maybe a new gun, any of those men out there praying for anything like that? Zach's raising his hand very carefully. Um, how many, uh, I mean, I'm just going to throw out some ideas. Maybe somebody's out there praying for some tickets to a, a football game next year. Not singling anybody out. And how many of the wives and mothers are thinking, when I open this gift, it better not be something for the kitchen this year? How many of you women are thinking that right now? <laughs> some of y'all got that one. You know, what? I truly do love this time of year, Christmas is absolutely my favorite time of the year. So much, in fact, that my wife has constantly nicknamed me around this time of year in our marriage, Clark Griswold, because when it comes to decorating the house, having fun, I'm all about it. I love Christmas time. I love Christmas so much, but there's one thing that I absolutely cannot stand about Christmas. I'll, I've just got to be honest. I despise wrapping gifts. I mean, I just, I, I just kind of feel like there ain't no point to it. Me personally, give it to me in a Walmart bag. I'm cool with it. It's fine. But you got some people in this world, my wife, I don't want to say who, but that has to be wrapped perfectly. It has to be cut perfectly. I mean, if it's not, oh, we got problems in my house. And I'll be honest, I dislike gift wrapping so much that if a store, if I'm buying the gift that offers gift wrapping in it free or even if I have to pay for it, oh, baby, it's going it's to happen. In fact, I may try and do all my Christmas shopping at that one store if they will offer it. I'm even sure in the nine years my son has experienced uh, Christmas, my old son Peyton, I'm sure that when he has seen his Christmas gifts at, at certain times of the years, he pretty much looks and goes, yep, mom wrapped this year. I'm, I have no doubt. But here I'm going to put up on a few pictures on the screen this, this evening of some amazing gift wrapping. Let's just take a look at a couple of these pictures real quick. That looks like something uh, like Deborah Sells might be capable of right there. Beautiful, unreal. Now, here's mine. I'm telling you, duct tape will do wonders. <laughs> so I use that tonight 
Because I say I love everything about Christmas, but I truly dislike this part of Christmas, the gift wrapping. But I've, I've ever, I just, is it just me, but have you ever gone to a, a Christmas party? You know you're getting a gift. And when you see your name on that gift and you see how it's wrapped, has anybody ever in here thought along the lines of, oh dear God, what's inside? Because based off that wrapping can be honestly a good tell of what's getting ready to happen. I remember one time growing up having Christmas at my grandma's house, some of my favorite memories of my life. Going over early, we, and when I say early, I'd get there six, seven hours early because grandma always needed help. She was baking, she was cooking, she needed to test her. And I remember I would sneak away when she wasn't paying attention because, let's just be honest, grandmas give the best Christmas gifts, period. And I would snoop through every gift. And in my grandma's house back when I was six or seven, there was like 30, 40 people that would be there for Christmas. Y'all, it was, it was unreal, the Christmas gifts. I mean, it was like an amusement park in there. And I would go through trying to find out, okay, there's mine, there's mine. The quickest route back is over here. I've had this all mapped out at six, seven years old. Got a plan. And I remember one year when I was about 10 or 11, I, I saw this package that my grandma had wrapped. And the way it was wrapped scared me, to be honest. My first thought was, what is this? And that's the title of this sermon that I want to share tonight is, what is this? And I want to start it by sharing a story tonight. And you all may have heard of this story in different versions, but this is the one I've heard over the years. And tonight, I really want you guys, if you would, just to take this story and listen to what it's about, and I hope that maybe you will get something out of this. There was once a small child who was brought up by his father, but they had a very strained relationship. The mother had died at a very young age for this boy, and here was the father who was trying to do the best that he knew how. The father was a highly successful and extremely bright businessman. His business that he had created and made very successful, successful required a lot of this father, a lot of time, which didn't allow him time to spend with the boy as much as he wanted. But this is how it went for many, many years, all the way up until it was time for the boy now to leave for college. And the boy leaves and goes off to college, and the father goes on with life, building his business, and this is how it went, and they even drifted further apart. We can go ahead and fast forward in the story to the boy's senior year of college. Here he is getting ready to graduate. But during this last year, this boy has sensed emptiness in his life and wanted to reconnect with his father. So he decided he would reach out to his father, hoping to maybe restart their relationship. And he went home to spend time with his father and trying to heal old wounds. One day they both were out in town, just kind of spending time together, having lunch. And they came upon this car lot. And the boy had to take a moment and admire a car that was on this lot. You see, he had found this beautiful black sports car in a dealer's room. And knowing his father could well afford it, he told him this is all that he wanted, all he desired. And he went to see that car every day for weeks after. He took it for a test drive. He imagined buying it. He looked at all the magazines on it. He imagined taking it home for the very first time. He dropped hints to everyone that had access to his father. This is the car that he wanted. He told people that worked for his father, uh, this is all I want. Everyone that knew what this boy had wanted so very badly. Finally, more time passed and the big day has arrived. Here's graduation day. And the young man awaits signs that his father has purchased this car. He was full of excitement like a little child on Christmas morning. He had absolutely no doubt that he was going to get what he had asked for. And finally, after waiting impatiently, here he was on the morning of his graduation. He had been waiting and waiting. They go to the graduation. The ceremony's over, and yet nothing's happened. 
They go to lunch together and the boy thinks maybe, here, maybe it'll happen here. Maybe he'll have the car brought up to the front of the restaurant. Nothing happens. Finally, they get back to their very large home and the boy at this point is very confused and wondering why didn't he get what he asked for. And his father then called him into this private study. He set him down in a chair in front of the desk, looked deep into his son's eyes and said, I want you to know I am very proud to have such a fine son. And for the first time in a long time, the father said these words, I love you. Most sons would be overjoyed or thankful, especially after the relationship, but not this boy. His son didn't even hear the words his father had said. All he was waiting for was impatiently waiting for that gift. Finally, the father opened up his drawer, pulled out a gift, and handed his son this beautifully wrapped gift. And the father said, here is your graduation gift. And the son held his breath while thinking, this isn't the car. This isn't what I wanted. He was so frustrated and he decided to quickly open the gift with great frustration, tearing it apart. And when he opened the box, the boy had found inside a Bible. And this Bible had his name engraved on it. But this is not what he wanted. He was almost disappointed. He was, he was disappointed, almost even shocked. Instead of being gracious, he took the Bible and threw it back at his father on the table. Angrily, the boy raised his voice at his father and said, Really? A Bible with all the money you have, you give me this. And he turned to storm out of the house, and the father pleaded, Son, wait, don't you at least want to look inside? I have something for you. The boy cut him off and said, What's inside of there I do not need. He moved out of the house almost immediately and went on his way. Many years have now passed, and the young man has now become a very successful, successful in business, just like his father was. He had met a girl. They've been married. He has a beautiful home. He has a child. But his father never knew any of this. Until one day, the young boy and his wife were now getting ready to have a second child, and something again started to stir inside of that boy, saying, maybe I need to reach out one more time. And one day the man realized his father was very old and thought, this is the right time. I need to reach out to him. They hadn't spoken since graduation day, not one word. So he decides to set up a meeting with his father where his whole family can come. His father is overjoyed that finally, finally, the opportunity presents itself where they can get back together. And finally, the week has arrived and when they were going to be heading home and the boy would reconnect with his father, they would see each other. But one morning his, his phone started ringing and the boy answered it to the news that his father had passed away in the middle of the night. And that the boy had inherited everything, all the possessions, all of it was now his, and the people on the phone were saying, we need you to come here immediately and help us take care of things. The boy was devastated, but he went and he arrived at his father's house. Sadness, regret, everything was filling his heart at this moment. He went into his father's study to see where everything was. Where do I start? What do I do? Paperwork was everywhere, and he was the only child, the only person to figure all this out. Again, this boy was the only heir to a very large estate. But here he was in the last place that they had ever spoken face to face, seen each other face to face. And the boy thought about the last words that he even said to his father. He began to go through his father's papers. In one of the drawers, he found that gift with the wrapping paper and everything still there. And he pulled it out and he looked at that Bible just as he had left it there years ago. And he sat down in the same chair that his father had asked him to sit down in. And all of the memories started to overwhelm him with tears rolling down his face. He sat there holding it, remembering that day so many years ago. But then at the bottom, he noticed that there was a, a marker where there was a scripture marked off. And he opened it. And this is our scripture tonight, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. 
If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good, go, good, give good gifts to those things who ask him? The boy was heavy with emotion. He grabbed the Bible, held it to him, and as he pulled it to his chest, a key fell out of the back of the, of the Bible. He picked the key up, and he knew instantly that it was a key for a car, but nothing was clicking. He went out to the very large garage uh, where there were several, several cars out there, and over in the corner, he noticed a covered car. The boy ran over there, removed the cover, and underneath the car, underneath the car cover was the car that he had wanted so many years ago. What a story. We know at the ending of the story that I've just shared that the father had bought and paid in full the car that he desired so very much. It had been sitting there all of these years. It was set, it was ready, it was paid for, it was gassed up, and it was available to the son at any time that he desired. But the problem was the son got what he asked for, but he didn't like it because of the way it was wrapped, because of the way it was packaged. Just because of the package it came in, he didn't like it. You see, he got exactly what he had asked for, but didn't like it based off what he saw in front of him. The boy rejected it, not realizing that he was rejecting everything that he had asked his father to give him. He rejected it based off the package of, what is this? What is this? And what I want to talk about just for a very few minutes tonight is this, is that if you think about it, we serve an amazing, loving, caring, awesome God who is our Heavenly Father, who many times will send us gifts and blessings. And if we were to look at them in the way that they were coming at us and see them as how we see Christmas gifts as we approach the tree and you see your name on the outside of what God's getting ready to bring to you, the only thing you might think at that moment is, what is this? And we say that many times to the things God will send in our way and in our past, what is this? You see, we ask God for many things. We ask God for blessings, for healings, for his favor, for his protection. And many times God will send what we ask, him, ask of him, but it comes in such a way that we respond with, what is this? In such a way that, we, that, that are sent, if we would not wait upon him, if we do not trust him, if we do not stand in faith, he has called us to. Many times we will respond the same way that this boy in the story did by pushing it back in disgust and anger and being bitter about it. Just like when we were young and we were so excited about the gift on the early part of Christmas morning, we get all worked up, only to be disappointed with maybe a crummy secondhand gift. And to put that in the terms of a relationship with our Heavenly Father, here we come into a service and our excitement level gets worked up. We feel like something is happening, something's moving, something's changing, but yet all we have are a book of promises. You see, our response is not, sometimes is, I was, it's not what I was expecting. It's not what I was praying for. It's not what I was believing for. And if we look into this Bible uh, call, uh, we look into this book called the Bible, we can pick out so many different heroes of the faith and look at their lives. But let's start with Joseph. Here's someone who could literally say, what is this? Here is Joseph. He asked of God, God, use me. I am here. I will do what you want. Use me, God. And here is God over here saying, are you sure about that? Are, are, are you ready for what I have? More importantly, are you ready to go through what you're asking for? Are you ready to go through the process of what it will take to bring you to where you want? 
I want to say that one time. Are you ready to go through the process of what it will take to bring you to where you want? Because the way this gift, this blessing, this calling is coming, Joseph, it's going to come in such a way you will say, what is this? And here starts this process. Joseph gets this new, beautiful coat of many colors, and then his brothers get jealous, rip it off of him. They throw him into a pit, sell him into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt. And here he is now walking into the house of Potiphar, and then the wife lies about Joseph. He's thrown into prison for several years for something he didn't even do. And while he is there, he befriends two men who worked for Pharaoh, who had fallen out of favor. And both of them had uh, dreams, but they didn't know the meaning to. And Joseph said, I can tell you what the meaning is, but if I do, would you remember me when you stand before Pharaoh? And yet when that time came, they, they, they forgot. Time had passed, more time had passed, and the Pharaoh had a dream. No one could interpret this dream. But the man from the prison that day remembered that there was a guy. Yeah, he, this guy might be able to do it. So he, they go and get him. And within a day, Joseph is taken from a horrible prison space and the Pharaoh said, I will give you a title that means you are second in the land of Egypt. The only person you're going to have to answer to is me. And you will oversee getting us, getting us through what is coming. And he went from the lowest level you could ever dream of to being on top of the world. And it happened in less than a day. But if we begin the process, it comes in a way of we say, what is this? You see, all the blessings Joseph wanted and the favor he wanted from God were all wrapped up inside of what on the inside of any of us knew it was coming at us would run in the other direction. If we knew we were going to be sold into slavery, if we knew our brothers were going to beat us up, if we knew we had spent all these years in jail to get to the promises of God, we would not do it. We ask things for God all the time. But it's not also just about getting, but it's also God preparing us to see if we can handle it. It's the process that you go through in this life that prepares your soul. You see, God has to take care of that heart to get it ready. God has to work on that ego to take it out of the way. You see, it's in the hurting, it's in the suffering, it's in the, in the waiting that God begins to fasten and to mold and to shape you to be, to be used for something. It's not in the high times of everything, of getting what you want from God, because it's about you becoming what God has called you so that he can trust you with what, he's been, what you've been asking for him. It was a kind of a gift where you might say, what is this? And here's Joseph ending up with his family at the very end of the story. And his family's very scared because they're thinking our little brother's about to take revenge. And Joseph's response why he could have taken revenge was more of this. What you meant for evil and what you meant for pain, it's not there because you see the God I serve has turned it into something good. Joseph says because of what you put me through, God took it and turned it to where millions were affected and saved and were looked after. There's so many people in the Bible, that, that if we could take our time and look over and, and, and go through their stories, that could say, what is this? But when thinking of what God wanted me to share tonight, I don't know of anyone better in the Bible than maybe Job. God could almost say to Job before everything started, he could have gone to Job, laid out a table full of gifts, and from the wrapping it might have looked strange. But God said to Job, this is just in my mind, I'm going to do something incredible in your life, Job. You're going to have more wealth than you could ever imagine. You're going to have some amazing things, so much so that I will double everything that you have. If God did that in front of us, most of us would take that. But God says, you know what? But this gift is going to come in a way that you're going to say, what is this? See, the first gift that all of your livestock's now been stolen and all your servants are gone. 
Here comes another gift. All of your children die. All of them. And here's Job. No church to fall back on. No Bible to read. The promises of God. No way of understanding why is this happening to me. But if we were to look in Job 121, it says this. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then he says, you know what? At least I have my health. I have my wife. I have my friends. And wouldn't you know it? Then he loses his health. Then his closest friends say, you're a liar, and this is the judgment of God on you. His own wife says to God, curse God and die. He loses everything. Yet he's still praising God, but he can't even see him because in Job 23, 8 through 9, it says, but if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. And when he turns south, I catch no glimpse of him. Here's Job who has received multiple things and each of them come up in a way where Job and us would say, well, as we read these stories, what is this? Why would, why would God allow this? But Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on earth and after it's all gone away, I will see God. Here we go through our lives wondering, God, why aren't you responding to this? Why aren't you helping me out with this? God, are you even there? And then after the waiting, and then we get these things sent to us, and our first response more times than this is not, what is this? This is the best you can have to offer me, God? This is the best that you can do? God's gifts and blessings and protections don't always come in the way that we think they will. Because we can only see a few feet in front of our wants, our, not, our needs, and our desires. God is over here saying this is a process. I am doing something in your life. I'm trying to set you up for something. You may not understand it right now, but a time is coming when it's all going to make sense. You know, I don't know why some people have to deal with sicknesses for years on end. But I trust God that there's a process, that something's happening. I don't know why maybe your business or your, or your career is struggling and you're on the verge of changing out to something else or shutting down your business, but I believe there's a process. And if we will learn to trust the one who is in charge of the process and know that the gifts and blessings he is sending our way, while at first we're going to respond with, whoa, wait a minute, what is this? Later on, years from now, we can look back and say, it was the plan of God. It was his process to get me here. There are things coming that will change everything. We just have to trust him and not get off what we see in front of us. But we've got to remember to be like Job and keep saying, I know my Redeemer lives. Even though maybe we get that bad report from the doctor, my Redeemer lives. Even though maybe we got that huge tax bill we weren't ready for, you know what? My Redeemer lives. Even though everything's not going right and I'm the only family member here tonight in my family, my Redeemer lives. You've got to look beyond what is in front of you because if you get just stuck by everything in front of you, you're not going to go any further. We want to say all the time, I hear so many kids, I heard so many teenagers when I was a youth pastor say this, God, use me. And I want to look at every one of them and say, do you really understand what you're asking for? Because if you want to be used by God, he's got to break some things. He's got to break some habits. He's got to mold you. He's got to, he's got to shape you. I remember being 18 years old at our old church, having a massive revival and going to an altar one night, not fully understanding everything that was happening. But the only thing I sensed in my life was it's time to surrender to God. That's the only thing that made sense. And I went to that altar, was saved. I remember being up there for a long time. And the last words I can remember saying to God under my breath was this, God, if you will use me for anything, I'll do it. 
And tonight, I look back over those last 21 years, and I feel like God stood right in front of me that night, holding gifts and blessings, and he said, do you really want this? Because you're going to say, what is this? What's coming your way? Because the night that I got saved over the course of the next three years, I went through some of the biggest health problems I've ever had in my entire life. I lost my closest friend who actually helped get me back into church. He drowned in Current River. There were trial after trial, pr problem after problem, and so many of us can say the same thing. But I have personally come to the point that I know if God is allowing me to go through something, it just means he is using it to get glory out of it and do a work in my life or somebody else's life, and he wants me to be able to use that to affect somebody else. In James, it says this, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let it have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The trials, the trials and tests and everything you were going through are setting you up for something great. If Pastor John and the musicians would go ahead and come. The, the trials and tests, they're setting you up for something great. God has his hand on your life. He is not leaving you. He will not fail you. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are calling, called according to his purpose. And now I can understand that those three years and everything then since again, God has had his hand on me saying, Mike, trust me. I know it's scary. I know it's lonely. I know it's frustrating. But I've got a plan. I couldn't be where I am today if I didn't choose to trust him back then. Church, when God has a promise to perform in your life or your family's life, don't be surprised if it comes at you ranged, if it comes at you wrapped strange, if it comes at you not all pretty, not all fancy, if it comes at you and you say, what is this? In Philippians 1.12, it says this, that the things which happened to me have actually served to advance the gospel. The things that have happened to me have actually served to advance the gospel. And I love verse 18. And because of this, I will rejoice. I thank God for trusting me to go through the trials that me and my family have gone through. I trust, I'm thankful for the trials of these last 16 years of marriage where God has perfected mine and my wife's marriage that where we can minister to other people. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been perfect. She's had a lot to deal with. Trials and struggles and the heartache of life and the losses of life, they hit us very hard. And they're hard to understand that this is a plan. Why? But if God says, trust me, I know it doesn't look pretty. It doesn't feel great, but I have a process and a work I need to do in each of your lives to prepare what I have for you. This evening as I get ready to close, I hope that this has made sense. Tonight, what I feel like God wants me to do is this. In a few minutes, I'm gonna open up this altar area to two different things. My question to you is this, have you ever been like me? and gotten gifts and blessings from God in your life that your response would honestly be, what is this? But only now to be able to say, thank God. 
thank God for those trials, for those testings, for those moments where he allowed me because he had faith in me and he said, you're going to come out better on the other side. You know, starting next week, as Pastor Randy mentioned just a few minutes ago, we have the biggest outreach of our church going to be happening next week. The sounds of Christmas. It's, it's, it's a big deal. We've been, they've been working on it for a while now. And maybe it's just me, but what I think would be fitting is if we could do a couple things as the team is playing right now. Here in a second, I'm going to open up this altar area. And what I want you to do is this. If you say, Mike, I understand what you're saying. Those trials, those, those, those blessings, those gifts, while they've been hard, I know what you're talking about. And if you've gone through that and God has blessed you and he has prospered you and he's kept his hand on you, what I want you to do first is this. In a moment, I want you to come to this altar, find a place and offer up thanks. Thank him that he allowed you to go through it. And then what I want you to do after this, after that is this, and take your time, we are in no hurry tonight, is when you are done giving honor and glory and thanks, start praying over this altar area. Come up on this stage, find a few areas over where the actors are gonna be, start praying over it. Start praying over these chairs. Start, go back there and pray every demon in hell out of that sound booth. Because next week, every scene in here is gonna be taken up by maybe, it's gonna be a family member. It's going to be a friend, a co-worker. Who knows? And they think they're just coming to hear a, a, a play or watch a play. No, they're coming to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way they've never seen it presented before. So if God's done something in your life, I'm going to invite you right now. Come to this altar. If you can't make it to this altar, pray where you're at. But what I want to do right now is if you would just come to this altar and give thanks for what God's doing. And then when you're done, just start finding areas to pray over right now. Could you do that with us?